Right into it, 11.03, Dr. Payne Show. Dr. Lou is here, 416-870-6400, star 640. You all right there? Yeah, I was getting it set up. All right. The previous user messed it up. The previous <laughs> user. I was ready to actually take over your show, man, and um, it recommend amputation to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but, Greg, what if I might re- amputate? That's what my dad used to say. Anytime yeah. when I was a kid, I'd be like, my finger hurts. He's like, okay, um, come with me. Yeah, come with me. Here's the axe. <laughs> And we'll bother you. We have uh, Greg here for his follow-up, five and a half weeks since surgery. Yes, I uh, I had a four-week follow-up with uh, Dr. Paul Marks at uh, Sunnybrook. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was saying to you guys in the break that, uh, you know, Dr. Mark looked at me and instead of being impressed with my uh, muscle mass retention or the swelling going down, he goes... Holy smokes, man, you regrew your hair on your knee. That's unheard of. So he called all the other doctors to look at the regrowth of my hair. But that. Uh, Did you uh, have a lack of hair growth there before? No, they shaved it, right? Oh, so wow. They, it's they been five and a half weeks. No, so. but this is a full. You can't tell that anything happened. Uh-huh. So in five and a half weeks, the hair on my leg just regrew. It's all that testosterone, you know, Johnny? Yeah. Uh, no, you wouldn't know. Sorry. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what he said, you know, he, he looked at me and there was no movement. There was a, He pulled on it. And uh, in what he said to me, Greg, you are doing everything right. Most people don't. They yeah. put their fate on on the surgeon and then they let the heal, healing begin and they do nothing to help themselves. And health and your body helps people that help themselves. Yes. And, you know, the other thing is this, when you look at the anatomical structures throughout the body, rarely is there just one structure that's responsible for one thing. So the ACL um, prevents, again, the shear of the tibia uh, from from the femur. And it, yes, it is a very important structure, but equally as important are the, is a really good hamstring musculature. So it's really, really important that, you know, and you're absolutely right, a lot of people, and it does, and it's not just for orthopedic types of, uh, of surgeries. There's plenty of people getting bypass surgeries because they have, you know, uh, atherosclerosis. And so they're told, you know, your coronary arteries are blocked. Right. Uh, let's go in and bypass it. And then they think that's it. They can keep eating the way they were eating before. It's like, no, that's, that's not the game plan here. Anytime you have some type of surgery, you should be doing the follow-up um, lifestyle things and rehabilitation that's required so that that way you can um, have extra benefit from that surgery. And in your case, you're a perfect example, and we've talked about this over the weeks, where you know you didn't just have a surgery and stop. You did all the things right going back even before the surgery, making sure that you had good prehabilitation, that you were your legs were strong, you could do everything, mm-hmm. and that helps you prognostically for after, and you continue to do the right things. You know, the interesting thing, uh, Dr. Dr. Payne, is that uh, protocols are there for a reason. Yes. You know, there is a specific you know system that is used time and time again by surgeons and patients alike because, you know, good surgery, good surgeon, good patient. That's what the doctor told me. You know, if everybody, you know, drops the ball, then you have an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest challenges that I have had is to hold back. Yeah. Because, you see, I just show you, I can go to a full ass-to-grass squat, which yes. is what we use in CrossFit to, you know, get out of the hole when it comes to a full back squat. And uh, I have been told, don't put a load on it. Don't put a load. So I cannot put anything on my shoulders. Just yet. body yeah. weight. Yeah. Just body weight. Yep. So I'm using calisthenics for me to increase and expedite my recovery. But, uh, you know, holding back has been really, really hard for me. Now, yeah. what do you recommend for people? Because I'm a pretty high-energy dude, right? And if I don't have we, an... We haven't an, noticed. No. <laughs> <laughs> so if I don't have an outlet, I'm not a nice person. Right. Like, what do you do? Well, I mean, 
That's a good. It's a. It's Don't a very, say weed because uh, you know <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Johnny tried that. It didn't <laughs> no, work no, for no. him. Yeah, well. No, I mean, I, I think the thing is, I think you know, you're right. People that are high functioning, like more athletic type of people, it's very hard when they go through these phases to be um, reserved in what they should be doing. But I think it's really important. I think, it, like anything, it becomes mind over matter too, right? And although you're a high energy guy, you've been forcing yourself to do it. And sometimes, really, what can I tell you? What else can you do to expend energy? I mean, you have to move around. You might want to do things that don't necessarily. The knee's a different type of monster, right? Like if you had shoulder surgery, I could say to you, go go for an hour walk every day, right? Because, but with the knee, it's different. You, you're kind of immobile, so or or immobilized to a certain extent, mm-hmm. and so it's a little bit harder. Um, the other thing that's really important when when you're looking at that is what you're putting into your body so i'm not really sure of your diet but it, it like let's say for example there's a lot of sugar in the diet yeah well that then eliminating that during these periods is going to help because you're going to minimize how much energy you have you know i i have been full ketogenic for two years now okay so, so there there's is no, n- show, there's no yeah. sugar, no sugar in my diet yeah. and uh, you know one of the things that i did uh, doctor is and that i i feel that it has helped me more so than the uh rehabilitation was prehabilitation Yes, uh, I don't think that a lot of people put enough attention to getting in shape before the surgery, losing the weight before the surgery. So you are at your healthiest possible version of yourself before you go under the knife because you're going to make your life a lot easier afterwards. Yeah. And for that, I think that you guys help people do this, right? Well, one of the biggest things is you don't have to be an Olympic athlete before surgery to have good outcomes. The research is really good on suggesting that you need some good cardiovascular health is what seems to be the most important. And to achieve that is not something that's crazy. You don't have to run marathons. You have to walk about half an hour, four times a week. That's all you really need. If you could do that for, you know, three to six months prior to surgery to build your cardiovascular health. And in doing so, that's also going to build some muscular health. That's really all that's required. It's not really about being, you know, tip top. Obviously, the better you can be, the better it is. But as a bare minimum, it's just about being somewhat healthy and cleaning up the diet. The other thing following surgery is the inflammation that that happens in the swelling. So you can have, you can build a diet that will eliminate inflammation in the body, such as the one that you're on. That type of diet would, would eliminate a lot of inflammation. Now, it really is individualistic, right? I don't, I'm a big believer based on the research that I've seen that, you know, the the no carbs for some people is really good and for other people that that's all they should be eating. It does very much depend on the person individually. Absolutely. And sometimes it takes you experimenting with different things to find the right uh, thing. But I've seen people, you know, with autoimmune diseases that have experimented with no carbs whatsoever uh, because that's, you know, pro-inflammatory and yet they don't have as good of an outcome as when they turn to vegetarian. And so it's the meat elimination that actually helps with them. But but again, that's all very much... It's so personal, yeah. It's personal and the science is not very good at, at understanding when they've done the research to say what is the ideal diet it's somewhere in between the mediterranean diet and a vegetarian diet where you know you're eliminating a lot of the processed foods you're really focusing on fruits and vegetables meat eliminating as much meat as possible seems to be beneficial towards and now we're not talking about rehab we're talking about longevity like what makes people live longer live longer and, yeah. and that's and that's where the the research is kind of and again it's not very good either for me i use a very simple rule if it doesn't die if it doesn't rot it doesn't grow 
I yes. won't eat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that probably is what I've seen in the research. The biggest thing is it's the processed things, the things that yeah. you're getting out of a box or something that is really going to hurt you the most, right? So fruits, vegetables, meats, anything like that, that kind of analogy is good. If it doesn't grow, if it doesn't rot, it needs to be what we would term real foods. That's and, right. And all of those real components are going to help with uh, with your overall health, even rehabilitation following extra. Uh, thank surgery. you for having me, and no thank problem. you for caring. I no really problem. no, I mean it. I'm not being funny. I really yep. appreciate that you care. Thank you. No problem. Just getting warmed up. Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Bring them on. Phone lines are open. You have pain questions, health questions. Uh, you're here till uh, till 12 o'clock. Let's get it happening. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Star 640 on sale is also another option. Yep, 416-870-6400 to get it happening, which we will. Lynn, good afternoon or good morning. How are you? Yeah, hi there. I'm just calling... Um regarding um, biomechanics and in a nutshell I had a fall and uh, hurt my back and that involved my they tell me the cranial base and sacrum okay and I uh, went down to the states had osteopathic work it was wonderful I don't know about them they're great but uh, I come back to Canada and now I'm trying to find out about my body mechanics, figuring out how things are shifting and, mm. you know, the hips still unbalanced and all these things. And I don't know where to go, you know, because I don't even know if we've got body mechanics, any, you know, people knowledgeable in that area here. And uh, so I thought I'd give you a call. So, so what is the biomechanic question, though? <clears throat> I'm trying to determine, you know, like when you see most people, these doctors, etc. Nobody looks at the hips. One higher than the other. The shoulders, one shoulder higher. Well, I, I, I wouldn't balance. say I wouldn't say that. You know, one dangerous thing that I find is people will often see one or two people and then make a generalized assumption about everyone. There are, you know, tens of thousands of practitioners that practice within what we'll call, let's call it the musculoskeletal realm, which could include orthopedic surgeons, um, you know, chiropractors, physiotherapists, massage therapists, osteopaths. And in those tens of thousands, if not probably hundreds of thousands, you know, it, 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 I think it's a far cry to say that there's nobody that looks at the functional or biomechanical aspect. I would say everybody, part of my team that deals with the musculoskeletal issues, looks at those things. Um, it is very, very important to understand the function of a person's specific body, right? Um, now, biomechanics is not something that is the same for every single person because depending on people's postures, their, like you said, their leg lengths, uh, the different curves that they might have in their spine, the, the different arches or lack of arches that they may have in their feet, other injuries, all of those things become very, very important when you're assessing a musculoskeletal injury. So, I mean... I think there's a lot of people uh, that that use that type of approach to treat these types of injuries. Uh, it may just be that the you know few people that you've seen were not those those people, but absolutely that exists. I mean, I can absolutely help you find someone within my network um, to to deal with those things. What what is the exact issue that you have? Is it you mentioned head and sacral pain? Yes, and it's caused um, it's caused a thoracic outlet syndrome, which uh uh, is causing numbness now in the hand because of the vagus nerve and all these different things. And they told me, you know, it's so important to keep the body. And they told me how imbalanced the whole body was. Mm. And um, But as you say, you have knowledge along these lines. And um, mm. 
I should then come in and see you and, you know, an expert. And, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's um, funny when I hear the stuff about imbalance and what else did someone say to me the other day? I'm trying to remember the term that they use where they want to put something back in place or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I mean, the reality is, is that nobody's body is ideal. And usually if it is that ideal body, it ends, you end up being an Olympic athlete. That's why they can, you know, sprint as fast as they can or jump as high as they can because everything seems to be perfect. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't break down and have injuries either. Um, But it has to do a lot with, you know, micro trauma over time more than it has to do with an imbalance. And I mean... I, the only reason why I mention that is because imbalanced people think like sometimes people come in and say like, I feel like I'm shifted or I, you know, and it's not necessarily that things are necessarily moving around. It's just simply no, no. that there's a lot of repetitive strain sprain, which is trauma in our lives. And now that is whether you, you know, work construction uh, six days a week or sit at a desk or, you know, run marathons or even sit at home and do nothing. Right. All of those are, are forms of the same type of repetitive trauma. And, and you know, the, the most, I think the most, um, how do I put this? The thing that's causing the most issues is that really our bodies are not designed to be in the static positions that they're in like or in the repetitive things. I think the people that often um, are lacking those those types of, chronic aches and pains, which is probably almost no one, is they're constantly changing what they're doing. And and again, that can go, you know, for a golfer, they, they break down in certain areas because a golf swing is is still a repetitive strain oh, yeah. sprain, right? The same as you and I sitting here right now is, is a form of repetitive strain sprain, same as you holding that phone to your ear. So all of these things are what leads to these chronic aches and pains and for our body and these micro traumas over time to break down. And it's important to look at the biomechanics and the function, absolutely. So give us a call. Lynn, appreciate that. It is one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou. Info at paincarecanada.com through email. And lots of uh, time for you to call in. Open phone lines are upon you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Doctor Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1124, plenty of time to take your phone calls. You have aches, pains, physical problems. Bring them on. Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Tom, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you doing? Good, brother. What's uh, what's up with you? Uh, well, I'm just calling. I have a, um, a question and a comment. Mm-hmm. The question is, um, I'm trying to figure out with this gassing, bloating, and this uh, uh, everybody with the uh, having this uh, issue with heartburn, et cetera. So can you tell me, like, what the role of the hydrochloric acid is having to play in our digestive system this day. I'm reading a whole bunch of things, and then I'm hearing some conflicting stories in the role that lactic acid is playing in all this. So maybe you can clarify that for us. Well, I mean, I'm not a GI specialist, so I, I can't comment on the research and what role it's having. What I can say is, yeah, you're absolutely right. There, There is a lot more bloating and reflux type of uh, disorders going on. I, I would personally say a lot of it oftentimes, I mean, you have to understand those types of symptoms could be very, very benign just due to someone's, you know, the way they eat and their things. It could also go all the way to things like stomach cancer and GI cancers can can cause all of a sudden reflux and, and uh, GI bloating and things like that. So it's a very vague symptom. Um, but oftentimes when it's related more to like, let's deal with the benign side of things because the the more malignant side of things is very rare and it's only Correct. one part of the constellation. So oftentimes it's very much related to people's diets. 
Uh, the other big thing about the GI tract that most people don't realize is it's very, very highly innervated by the nervous system. Um, and because of that, uh, that means the things that go on and the stresses that you feel um, psychologically or mentally will play out in your body and very, very much so um, in the in, in the GI tract, which is why things like irritable bowel syndrome are so rampant nowadays and there's so many people with it uh, because of the fact that, you know, we internalize our stress and we feel it in our bodies. Um, so, and, you know, being in a Western type of culture where, you know, the overall diet and the way things are processed, I mean, even if you eat as clean as you possibly can, it's still not clean eating because we're, you know, there things are grown a certain way, chemicals are used to preserve, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that all probably plays uh, some role in it. I think with a lot of other things, it's simply some people just eat like pigs. I know with me, when I get more reflux going on, it's just simply because I'm, I'm eating, eating some crap. Yeah, I'm just eating a lot worse than I should. I'm eating probably too fast. That That's another contributing factor. People don't chew their food as much as they should and, and not doing so, you're swallowing a lot of air. And that air has to come back up. So, I mean, it's a pretty loaded question, I would say. I'm not sure exactly what the research is on the initial things that you mentioned. But I think it's, uh, again, it's a vague symptom that could be related to a a big spectrum of of disorders, all the way from just simple reflux, all the way to some very serious malignant types of cancers. Um, But I do think diet and stress has a big role on that benign side. Well, my last, uh, yeah, I, well, I was reading a bunch on, well, it, it, so there's 100 years of studies on the role of HCL. I just started reading about it because I wasn't uh, happy with the, the results. And I just was reading how, as we age, the lack of stomach acid we create, mostly because, as I wrote down here, B1 iodine and salts weren't consumed. We weren't getting that acid as we age, and thus we're getting that lactic acid coming back up. But I know there's a lot of things with stress, et cetera, issue to it. My other comment was... Um, <clears throat> Basically, about your comment that about research on diet, uh, there wasn't a lot of research done about, you know, uh, vegetarian diet. Have you guys read Dr. Campbell's work from the China study? I mean, that's 30 years and 900 million people. I don't think you can get a better study on diet and disease than that one. Did you guys not get that book? I have not read that book, no. But, I mean, when I'm looking at it, I'm going through the medical literature that's available. And, you know, the retrospective studies are good studies. And, and again, I, I mean, it. a lot of those things around diet is it, it more than anything, I just think it's common sense. I think we all kind of know the answers. It was, it was kind of where I was going with it. It's, it's about minimizing the stuff that we know is crap and maximizing the stuff that we all know is good. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, open lines. You can take your calls for the next half hour. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio 640, Toronto. 1132-416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell to uh, ask your questions. Got some issues? Bring them on. Dr. Payne Show, uh, remainder until 12 o'clock today. You know, it's amazing that GI tract conversation. It's something, I mean, as simple as, you know, when you go into a, to a whorehouse at a, at a carnival, it's like, you know, all of a sudden you feel like you want to unload. That's 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 a, a reaction too, right? I yeah, mean, 100%. I mean, the GI tract is, is heavily, heavily innervated um, neurologically. And, mm-hmm. and stress is a huge, huge part of, you know, the things that happen all the way from the food going in to the food going out. Yep. There's there's a lot of things. Now, of course, again, a lot of these symptoms are vague symptoms, right? Like, 
you know, neck pain or headache could be a symptom of stroke. It's most often not, right? right? Uh, but it's very important when we hear these things or, or there's these types of symptoms that, you know, as healthcare professionals, we're always thinking about the full spectrum. The thing, not, not just saying, okay, here's the most common, but always keeping in mind, here's the full spectrum of things that can cause that type of presentation. And obviously, you always want to make sure that you rule out the more serious first. I mean, there's no shortage of patients that come see me that have some type of left-sided chest or back pain or shoulder pain, and initially they, they've they been checked out for cardiovascular issues or heart issues, which, again, I think is the prudent way to go about it. Um, the thing I think that where people make mistakes is they often will have something like a left-sided chest pain, and, uh, you know, they're checked out from a, a heart perspective, and they're told, yeah, there's nothing wrong with your heart, and then they stop. They do nothing to get better, and then they wonder why their issue continues to worsen right. and worsen and worsen, and I get that people want to eliminate the, the scary factor where they say, well, I just want to make sure it's not my heart. And then after that, you know, it should probably go away on its own. It's not going to go away on its own. Most things don't go away. And if they do go away for a period of time, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, six months, a year, two years, three years, they can rear their head again later on in life. I, I was speaking with a rheumatologist um, this week and uh, I mean, he, he's been in practice for 30 or 40 years and, and he was just talking about the musculoskeletal injuries and he was saying he doesn't, you know, people, the average person doesn't realize that the things that are happening to them in their teens and early 20s can really, really affect no what, what you're going to feel like when you're 40 or 50, even in your 30s. Um, and sometimes you have an injury and it seems like it's gone totally away. And again, that's what I was talking about with the imbalance and that stuff. It's more about the trauma, the micro traumas, the repetitive strain sprains and how that all interacts with your body. I mean, we're, we're essentially no more than a really complicated machine. And every other machine that we have in our world, after it's you know had so many kilometers put on it or it's been used excessively, will start to break down sure. and we are the exact same way and some level of ache and pain i guess is you know what quote unquote normal or to be expected but that doesn't mean it's not something that could be managed um you know i was i was just on the break in my head in my own head i didn't even tell you i was thinking about uh, the lady that called about the that there's nobody that looks at biomechanics and it's just you know sometimes it's a real big pet peeve of mine that people you know often will base their um recommendations on one or two things. It's it's no different than someone who says, you know, they go see, they've never, for example, gone to see a massage therapist in their life. Right. And all of a sudden they get some type of neck issue and they go see a massage therapist and that's it. That is the cure for every type of neck pain, right? right. Or or vice versa. They have a bad experience where it's like, no, don't ever yeah, see a massage therapist. I did, ther- don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it kind of drives me crazy because realistically, the things that we recommend to even our friends and our family, I think should always be said with, hey, here's what worked for me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a, a disservice for anybody speaking to their friends and family to say, go do this because it worked for me and you have neck pain, I had neck pain. And it's not always the same thing. And and you can't, you know, you can't judge a whole profession by one person for or sure. two person or two people that you've seen in that profession and then say, no, you know, uh, some people will say like, you know, I, I saw this osteopath and, and it was horrible. Well, that doesn't mean that every single osteopath can't help an issue or or that this surgeon, this type of surgery is always bad. It is very much about trying. And this is why professionals exist. This is what drives me crazy. It, you know, it's about really matching up. Um, the person with the procedure, right? Looking right. at what the person's issues are, looking at the whole constellation of things and saying, here's your best option. Um, and that that is not always, when we look at evidence-based medicine, 
three components there. We're looking at what's the best available medical literature, which is very, very important. We're looking at the clinical experience of the clinician or the clinicians that that person may interact with, and also what the patient wants. And a perfect example of that is, you know, let's say someone like Greg with his knee issue, and we say, hey, you know, the best option for you is is uh, reconstructive ACL surgery. Um, you know, the research is there clinically. We can assess him and say, you know, based on seeing that there's been uh, patients that are in good shape like mm-hmm. you that are active, there's good outcomes for this Pretty surgery. Pretty good success. Yeah. yeah. And, and and then Greg's saying, yeah, let's go ahead and do the surgery. Then that's, that's true evidence-based medicine. Um, but a lot of the times the reality is we can lack things like the medical literature, right? Because certain things don't have the best available medical literature. And I'm not going to get into how things are graded, right? Mm-hmm. So certain types of research are better than other types of research. Um, and then, you know, things like systematic reviews of a group of researches is what the gold standard really becomes. Um, then there's clinical experience. Sometimes you see people that have things that are really, really rare, and clinically you don't see them a lot. Right. So it's it's difficult a lot of times. And then the other big thing there is what the person wants. You know, we could have... We can tell someone like Greg, hey, the research is great for this type of surgery. Uh, my clinical experience in the tens of thousands of patients has good outcomes. But if he says, hey, I don't want it, well, guess what? You're it's not doing it. That, that's the one thing. Informed consent on the patient is the one thing that always trumps everything else. Um, it is really about what the patient wants for their health. They're, you, the, the people on the other end are the people who decide the, how, the, how it goes forward. And there's no one that can force you to do anything. So, you know, and and again, that doesn't mean that there's not other options. It's just about maybe those options aren't going to be as good as uh, as the options that are being recommended. But it is a dialogue between healthcare professional and patient. But again, not to get too off topic with what my original intention was, that really we shouldn't be basing recommendations. And I get it all the time where people come in and say, yeah, my, you know, sister's husband or whomever yeah. had this and had they a said, bad experience. Yeah, this is the only, yeah, exactly. It shouldn't really be based about, you should be finding the places that you trust or yeah. the people that you trust to make the right recommendation for you. By the way, anytime you want to get a hold of uh, Dr. Lou, one eight five 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 Dr. Lou, or info at paincarecanada.com. You still have some time here. Phone lines are open for you. 416 870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Pancho, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1143, Dr. Pancho, yeah, mirror in the bathroom. No thanks, just from the neck up, if you please. <laughs> hey, mirrors. <laughs> Not a fan. You know, it's funny, you were talking about, uh, you know, earlier on this morning before we came on, you were talking about blood work. It's like, yeah, I have my blood work done. It's, uh, I'm all good. And you said, well, that's, that's the type of thing that can change. Like, before you know it, you could still have a heart attack with great blood work. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, the first, it's funny, one of the first symptoms of heart attack is, is sudden death, right? So, <laughs> you know, but right. again, that does, yeah. so my point being is it's just, it's always about continue, my, the reason why I said that to you is it, it doesn't stop there, just because you have good blood work doesn't mean, okay, today that's it, I'm, yep. you know, bottle, Back to of, Big bottle of Jack, and yeah, and yeah exactly, you, you got to keep doing the right things to make sure you're always there, and obviously, uh, blood work is always a very good, like the regular standard protocol of blood work is a good indication of overall health and what's going on in your body, so it is very important to to be in those, and we were just on the break talking about how um, you know, sometimes people, I, I know a few people that are not, you know, mid thirties mm-hmm. and they're going for blood work and it's showing that they're, you know, like pre-diabetic, high cholesterol, uh, their good cholesterol's very low and all of these things. And it's like, and that's not a family thing. That's not a genetic, it's just, they, they don't take care of themselves. Yeah. They're, they're not they're taking care of themselves. And so that, that very much can, you know, it really does become, 
your body gives you warning signs, you know, like there's a lot of chances that you can be given like things that you, the way you feel, all of those things, those are just alarm bells that your body's yeah. telling you, hey, I'm not feeling the greatest, then, you know, please do some yeah. of the right things. your body things. going, hello, McFly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that, that happens to everybody. I yeah. think we can all go through lulls, right? Like you and I, um, where sometimes you're really, really healthy, you're doing all the right things, and then all of a sudden life changes, you're... you're but it's really about always being cognizant that, you know, you got to try to be healthy. And I think especially once you start getting more concerning symptoms or even more so concerning blood work or, or objective measures that come back, that you really got to turn around and say, you know what, I, th I think it's time to to go back to being healthy or or make this change now. Because those are all warned. Like once you're pre something, you yeah. really want to change it there because that's when you can change it. Because once you're full blown you know, diabetic, you're not going to cure that. You're going to have to manage, manage that it. forever. Um, so, you know, and again, it's not, it really, I mean, th there's always money and things being poured into all this stuff. But sometimes I sit there and think like, is, it's just kind of common sense too, right? Yeah. Like, I think we all know the stuff that's really, really bad for us. And we know the stuff that's really, really good for us. And I do really think that it comes down to moderation. I'm not saying that you have to be the extreme on anything, but I think if you can live a life in moderation where you know, you're you're doing a lot more of the things that are healthy for you. And every once in a while, yeah, you might have some cake or whatever. Sure. I don't, there's nothing wrong you gotta with live that. Life, yeah, you got to live life, absolutely. Uh, but it's about being moderate about things and making sure that you're, you know, good more of the time than you are bad more of the time. And I think that's really where it comes down to. Uh, but a lot of it is not rocket science. And a lot of people come in and they're kind of like, you know, what is it that, that I can do? And then you end up telling them and it's like, oh, okay, like, yeah, I've already heard that. It's like, yeah, well, it doesn't change, right? Like yeah. it, it's pretty consistent. Eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, uh, you know, eat some meat, healthier meat is better, uh, minimize the carbs and the sugars and especially mm -hmm. the processed foods. That yep. doesn't mean never have it. Um, you know, don't smoke. Uh, don't drink excessively. Yeah. Minimize Move. any type of recreational drug, all of those yep. things like you know, that's the problem too, right? You know, now with, with marijuana becoming uh, legalized, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, smoking all the time or, or yeah. having marijuana excessively means that it's good for you, yeah, right? Like yeah, because It's not a salad. Everyone's treating yeah, because, it like that now, be, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's this whole idea because it's about to become legalized that it's something, you know, you could still, you know, have a problem. You could still have an addiction issue. And just because it's legal doesn't mean that yeah. that diminishes an addiction issue. And I think that's where the lines are being blurred, blurred, especially for um, the newer generation of people who don't necessarily see those things. But, you know, alcohol is, is legal. That doesn't mean that people don't have addiction issues with right. it. So, and, you know, people will sit there and say, yeah, but it's totally different. Well, no, it's it's still mm -hmm. a substance that if is used excessively. Um, you don't have carte blanche. Don't go nuts on it. Yeah, it right? can, can cause problems. And, and again, it really, and it, I also think, it's like anything, it depends on the person, right? Yeah. Like overall, it is a depressant. So if you already suffer from depression, mm -hmm. anxiety issues, well, adding more of a depressant in, uh, into your... Exacerbate, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know, right? Like I, I'm not I'm not the world's foremost expert on this stuff. I'm just kind of talking from a knowledgeable healthcare professional on kind of what makes sense. It's, it's all about moderation. And that's the point that I'm trying to get across. Even alcohol, there's, you know, there's some research that says having a glass of wine is actually beneficial. Uh, dark for, chocolate. That, yeah, that, dark chocolate thing, yeah. all those things but again that doesn't mean you should be having boatloads of those things like that that's still gonna yeah. you know it's still a problem it's just more about you know even even some beer having there's some research that suggests having some beer sometimes a week is actually beneficial but i think that that comes down to because you get to live life and be happy right and yeah. and you're not you're not bound to any one thing and you're not a slave to any one thing you have 
full control of yourself where you can enjoy a little bit about a little bit of everything and in doing so it's i think the happy factor that is actually more beneficial than anything else well i think like i like i said i had my physical with my doctor this week and everything was okay we basically came down to saying and he said you know you can't he said you, it's the you need plastic surgery. Yeah, not, well, no, no, no. Well, we'll talk about that later. But he said basically, you know, you you can't extend your life beyond what you're supposed to live, but you can sure as hell shorten it. Yeah, yeah. So and you try said not that, to. You said right? that to me on the break. I love that. It's so true. Yeah. Like there might be, you know, certain length that you you know yeah, you ain't getting past ninety yeah. genetically, but yeah. you can you can you can sure get as hell back sh- to sixty. Oh yeah, you can shorten that a lot of ways for <laughs> right. sure. So, so try not to. You know, right? and it's about like we were talking about when you hear people who who smoke cigarettes or something, and they'll yeah. say, "Well, I know two people that died of of yeah, lung never cancer. touched a cigarette yeah and, and never touched a cigarette well it, again it, all of these things are about mitigating your risk and yeah. minimizing it so you know just because you have car insurance doesn't mean that you know that you'll you'll get into an accident just yeah. about if you do get into an accident at least it's You're there covered. and it's yeah. the same thing why wouldn't you want to do the things in your body to your body that minimize the risk of all these things i'm not right. saying it can't happen sure. but at least you can be certain saying hey i know it wasn't because of that still got some time stephanie i see your call hang on the line and for you as well 416-870-6400 star 640 on sale dr pancho global news radio 640 toronto Getting down to the uh, last few moments of the show. Uh, by the way, uh, when we're not on air, you want to get a hold of Dr. Lou. It is one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Write that number down. Keep it. He can uh, get you uh, hooked up either in his clinic or uh, he's got a, a team, a base, a network all over, so they can help you no matter uh, geographically where you reside. That and info at paincarecanada.com. So, so as well. professional where you reside. All right, where you live, where you hang. <laughs> Hi, Stephanie. Good well, morning. Hello. Stephanie. Okay. Um, I have a question. I just need, um, I had actually, um, sorry, um, had strokes in November. And uh, for the last three years, apparently I had a lot of strokes and I have uh, bad um, depression. Um, I have numbness in my both my legs. I can't feel them. I have uh, one of my knees was replaced. The other one needs to be done. Um, they recommended um, a pain clinic. Now, what is that all entitled? What is, what do they do for you? Well, that, that very much depends on where, and I'm you know I don't even want to ask where the place is because I don't I'm not going to want to comment. But I mean, right. it sounds like with someone like you, you're probably going to see someone like a physiatrist who is physical medicine and rehabilitation. That can lead with, uh, or sorry, that can help with things like uh, uh, post-stroke neurological deficits and things like that, and and the management of those issues. But a pain clinic could be all the way from like you know physiotherapy, chiropractic clinic, all the way to those types of specialties, and so okay. many things in between, like injections, like cortisone injections, lidocaine injections, all those types of things, uh, narcotics. So it, it's it's not. There's nothing that says a pain clinic. There's no legislation that says pain clinic has to equal this. It, it's just anybody. It could be any type of uh, of clinic dealing with some type of pain-related syndrome. All right. Okay. So basically, they, they said um, uh, for marijuana, uh, okay. for clinical well, marijuana. So I don't know if that's legal. They said something about you know that that it would do me some good. So I don't know. 
Yeah, and I don't I don't know either because I haven't okay. assessed you. I don't know the extent of your issues, but yeah, exactly. So some okay. pain clinics are more based on the medical marijuana, which yes, of course, is legal because you know it's medical marijuana. It's not recreational, which again, even <laughs> recreational will be legal. But yeah, medical yeah. marijuana has been used for a very very long time. And you know, okay. there it, it is something. If you've had something serious like that going on, you have constant pain and all of those things. It is something to consider in the plan of management again. And I'm not saying you should or should not, but so, if some Someone that's been dealing with you, your doctor, whomever it is, has thought that it's a good idea to go at least get a consultation and and, and an assessment and figure out if it's the right thing for you. Again, it might be okay. worth you going, but I'm not sure exactly what they'll do. And, and that was kind of my point. A pain clinic could be, you know, a, a physiotherapy office. It could be a medical marijuana office. It could be an injection office or it could be yeah. whatever else. There's a lot of things it can be. Okay. All right. Well, I do appreciate your time. Thank no you so much for your time. Bye-bye. Thanks, Steph. Uh, moving forward, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. Lisa, got a couple minutes for you. What's going on? Hi, Lisa. Lisa. Okay. All right. Well, I do. Okay, she's she's listening, listening to our to show. Lisa, I'll give you like uh, another two seconds. See you there. Okay, and there we go. So we yeah. can wrap it up. We're almost done. Yeah. So there you go. There it is. Yeah. So again, it's, it's, you know, I think the important thing here with this show and with this platform to get across is if you've got questions, just give me a call. one 855 doctor Lou. Don't leave me like some people will call and leave like a 20 minute message. All I need is your name and your phone number and kind of like, Hey, I have neck pain or Hey, I have a long history of chronic pain or like a one sentence type of thing. I'm going to call you back and we're going to have a discussion. Uh, in that discussion, sometimes again, I'm going to say, Hey, it sounds like everything you're doing, you're on the right track. Um, or, you know, here's a better place for you to go or, Hey, maybe come in, see me for mm -hmm. an assessment. So it's really just about getting uh, a little bit more information about whatever might be going on. The other thing that I will say is, you know, I've, and I, sometimes I don't understand people. There's a lot of funny people out there. There's been people that have called me with medical emergencies if you have a medical emergency, you should not be calling yeah, Dr. Lou. There yeah. is something called 911, which is very, very important and very, very useful for saving lives. So if you're experiencing something that you think is an emergency, don't call me. Call 911 if it's deemed after you've been to an emergency room or a hospital that it's something that is not life-threatening and you're looking for more information, then call me. But don't call me initially. You know, I, there's nothing that I can do in those instances, even telehealth, things like that. You shouldn't be calling telehealth if you have something that you think is an emergency. Yeah. You should be calling 911. Um, and again, it just or you can email me at info at paincarecanada.com. Same thing, just a little brief description about whatever's going on and give send me your phone number and I'm gonna give you a call. That's one eight five 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 Dr. Lou D R L O U. Write it down then. And as you just said, info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, Dr. Pain Show, Global News Radio six forty Toronto.